Uh, as we get into today's message, by the way, the notes will be in the Bible app, also in the church's app. You can go to uh, the Lantana Church app and get uh, the notes from there. The last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Romans chapter 12, and it's, uh, it's here that Paul tries to give some practical ways to, give, uh, to live out the new command that Jesus gave us. If you remember, he gave a new command. Uh, we've actually talked about that uh, almost every week. And the new command is that we love one another. But we're finding out as we dig into it that this way of love is world-changing. It's paradigm-shifting. And by the world standards, it's crazy. At the very least, it's weak. This idea of love then, be, is, it starts to become less cozy and more radical. It's really, it's just an uncommon kind of love. And so that's really what we've been talking about. Uh, today I'm going to shift gears on you just a little bit. I had a friend um, who was a marine sniper. He wanted to talk about like uh, just an awesome uh, military person. He, he, and he had stories to tell, marine sniper. So one year I was, uh, you know, I was youth pastor for many years before I uh, started becoming a, or became a senior pastor and I led a lot of camps I did a lot of camp directing and so one year I had this guy be a sponsor a counselor for my teens and so he came to camp with us and we had a good time and he would tell stories and you know how it is he became the life of the the whole thing and and one night I had uh, as is my right the camp director I had the golf cart and um, you know everybody wants to to ride the golf cart, and I had one, so it was awesome. I was riding around in the golf cart. It was uh, after curfew, kind of checking to make sure everybody had gone to bed, and I see off in the distance four young men, teenage boys, walking back to their cabin, and, and I had this Marine sniper with me, and this is, uh, we're looking, and I was thinking, ah, what am I supposed to do here? You know, how much trouble are these kids going to get in? And uh, because I don't ever want to get on to anybody, but, you know, here it is. And he says, hey, didn't you tell them to be in early or, or be in on time and it's for their own safety? I said, well, of course, yeah, it's, it's, it was for their safety to be in early. We don't want anything happening out at, at, you know, late at night. And we're talking, you know, close to midnight and they're wandering off in the, in the woods and on their way back. And he said, hey, well, I have an idea. Um, why don't I sneak off and I just give them a scare? And I said, okay, okay, what could go wrong here? This sounds like a good idea. So he sneaks off and uh, I take the golf cart and it was one of the electric ones, so it was real quiet. And I kind of made my way in between the, the boys' dorm that they were headed towards and the boys themselves so that eventually they would get to me. They were a couple hundred yards off at this point. They would get to me and I'd have to they'd have to stop me, or I'd have to stop them, you know, we'd have to talk. So as they're walking towards me, I'm, I'm watching in the distance, and all of a sudden, one of the boys disappears, the one in the very back. And I thought, oh, oh no, <laughs> uh, did I make a deal with the devil? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. But funny thing is, the other three boys, they just kept walking. They had no idea that the fourth one had disappeared. So they keep walking, and then a little while later, the third one disappears. Now there's only two boys walking. And I'm thinking, uh, this is fun. <laughs> you know, what's going to happen here? All right, so they keep walking, and you guessed it, the last boy disappeared. All this happened over about 100, 150 yards that the back three 
boys disappeared. So now we've got one boy walking all by himself. And keep in mind, they know they're out late. They're walking and they're being quiet, so they're not talking to each other. So the first boy has no idea now that he's by himself. As he gets closer to me, he finally sees me. It's dark outside. He's about 50 yards away. And he turns around to tell his friends that we're in trouble. And when he turns back around, his face was white like a sheet, man. He was, what has happened to my friends? Of course, he got to me and he was just scared as he could be. He didn't know what had happened. He didn't know if I knew that there were more. He, he, he was curious. And then this Marine sniper friend of mine, he ducks up or jumps up from behind a hill and says, hey, Cal, what's going on? And uh, I was like, uh, nothing. Where's the other boys? <laughs> and he, so he hollered at them and they came out over the, over the hill. And he, what he had done is he had just gone behind them one at a time and snaked them off. Uh, probably had something to do with some of his uh, military training I'm sure. And uh, the boys, we got to talking, and I said, so guys, what's, uh, what, what's going on, man? Uh, you guys are out a little late, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're sorry, man. We're, so, we are, we're on our way back to the cabin. I really actually didn't have to punish them. Teresa remembers this story because they, they had been scared enough uh, by this point. But it was, it was just interesting. And I said, so tell me what it was like. I was curious to be you know, snaked away like that. And they said, I'll tell you what it's like. There's nothing like being held captive. You can imagine, nothing like being held captive. I, I, even as a child, I remember, and maybe this was uh, part of the redneck games we played, I don't know. But we, we would try to, uh, uh, my, my friends and I, I'm not sure if I should even say this, but we, would, we always had rope around, who knows why, there was always rope around. And we would take turns trying to tie each other in such a way that you couldn't, untie you know I, I don't know if it was to perfect our hog tying or uh, to perfect our escape but either way I, I can tell you that once we got to the place where you could not escape uh, it's it's a very disconcerting feeling to have your hands tied to not be able to move or escape and it, there, there's something about being held captive I learned from that that being held captive it really is no fun it might sound like all fun and games but it's no fun at all and that's what I want to talk about today the fact that we all at some time in our lives, and maybe even today, are walking around as captive to sin and we just allow it to happen. Uh, some of us walk around, we have sin in our lives, we're held captive by that sin. And I want to talk today about what we can do about that. And I told you we're shifting gears a little bit, we're still staying in this area of love. And, and what I mean is, I submit to you today that it is by the love of God that we can be set free. That's one of the, the greatest parts of being a follower of Jesus, is that by the love of God, we can be set free. You see, we've spent some time talking about what it means to love each other, to love others in the church, to love others outside of the church, but what does it mean? We've talked about the fact that God is love. What does it look like? How much does he love us? And I'll tell you, he loves us this much that he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to set us free from sin. And I don't understand, even myself, when I was allowed sin to hold me captive, I didn't realize the weight that would be gone when I gave myself to him and he removed it from me. And I was able to, at that lowest point of my life, and laying on the floor and crying out to God, I, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do, I just know I don't like this anymore. 
when I'm in that spot and I remember how he lifted me up and it was a weight that was lifted. And, and as I try to explain to others what that's like, it's impossible to explain. I can't make them experience the weight being lifted. So my only prayer is for the Holy Spirit to move in their lives to move in lives. So we, I've got a few scriptures today that, that we're going to dig into to explain this. We talked about this one a few weeks ago, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and we know that's true. God wants to set you free that way. And then the next one, Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And remember, grace, undeserved love and favor that he has for us. And I want to talk about the, the word saved for just a moment. Um, when we say the word saved, I think that it's, I think we have narrowed the definition to something that for some people, is untenable. And what I mean is, uh, some people feel like hell is going to be a party, if you will. But that's not what God has called it. And we know that that's not what it's going to be. So we say saved, and if we narrow the definition to being saved from hell, then some people, that just doesn't matter to them. Because they don't feel like they need saved from hell. They don't understand that they can be saved from their former life. They don't understand they can be saved from the sin that holds them captive. They don't understand that they can be saved from who they used to be to somebody so much better and different. And I found this definition of saved. God's intervention in human history to rescue people from a situation with which they themselves are not able to deal it's a situation that we are not able to deal with ourselves. God has intervened to rescue us. How do we help them understand that definition of being saved? That they can be rescued. You see, it is sin that has trapped us. It is sin that has held us captive. It is sin that has ensnared and entangled us. In John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And Paul talks about this later because uh, the Jewish people, they felt like they were not slaves to anybody. They were set free by God from the, uh, from in the Exodus, from Egypt. You remember that story. They were set free. So nobody calls me a slave. But Jesus is saying, Paul reemphasizes later that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This sums up what Jesus did for us. And I should add son or daughter. We have no place in the family as a slave to sin. But when we have been set free by the love of Jesus Christ, we have been given a place in the family. 
Later, Paul wrote these words regarding the work of Jesus in setting us free in Romans 8.3. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. I mean, just take a minute and let that sink in. It's, it's a dense verse. He has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. A brutal tyranny. Imagine some of the worst places in the world, tyrannical leaders. That's what sin is in our life. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, the first way we have been set free is we've been set free from our past. When we have been set free by the Holy Spirit out of the life of slavery to sin, we also have been set free from our past. Our past cannot haunt us anymore. We have been set free from the guilt that we used to carry around. Do you ever feel like you, it, sometimes in your life, even today maybe, you're dragging behind the past Something has happened to you. You've done things or you've said things that hurt others and you knew you shouldn't have and you're dragging the guilt of that around. Or maybe you feel like there are things in your life that you've failed at. I've tried so hard and I just can't do it. I'm a failure and you're dragging the past behind you. Or maybe you feel like you failed at religion because it's just so hard to keep all those rules and it's a good thing that Jesus came and set us free from religion because it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of these things in your life seem like a weight. You're dragging them around, dragging them through life. Your past feels like it's anchoring you down. The good news is that today you are forgiven. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We're promised that we have redemption through the, through the blood. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been redeemed. The word redeemed, I love this, to buy or pay off, clear by payment, to recover something pledged or mortgaged by payment or other satisfaction. Just pay attention to that definition. To, to buy or pay off, to clear by payment. We're paying on our, on our home. The largest thing that we have to pay on. Actually, we don't have a whole lot of debt, but we have our home. <laughs> We're paying on that. We refinanced the other day, and I remember seeing <laughs> the uh, amount that we owed being paid off, and I thought, oh man, that'll be the day. I mean, then it goes to another lender, you know, because you refinance. <laughs> but that'll be the day. That's what sin is in our life. It's that anchor that we're, we're dragging around and, and we have been redeemed. The, the payment has been cleared. We have been bought back. The, the payment for our sin has been satisfied because of the work of Jesus Christ in winning our freedom. We don't have to carry that guilt around anymore. We can release it. We can release it, thank you, Jesus, and be set free. The second thing is this, we've been set free from death. There's consequence for sin. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. Through Jesus, by the love of God, we have been set free from death. And what I'm talking about is the eternal 
death. Listen, when we break the law, there are consequences. Sometimes you might get away with breaking the law, but consequences will eventually catch up with you. We all understand that, right? In making a decision either for or against Jesus, there are consequences that we cannot outrun. And the ultimate consequence for sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. And man, in today's cancel culture, we don't like to talk about this because when we talk about somebody that there really is an ultimate price to pay, then they might cancel us. They don't want to talk to us. God has called us to a a life of holiness, and when we don't follow Him, that consequence of sin, that is death, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, the great news is there's a consequence for following Him. It's a positive consequence. We don't use that word in a positive light very often. The positive consequence for following Jesus is an eternal life with Him. And the thing that I love about the kingdom of God, the thing that I love about the way Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let what happens up there happen down here. God, would you come into my life and would you help me to make my life today the way it is in heaven? We don't have to wait for the end to have that special relationship with him. Now, we won't, be, we won't fully know God or fully understand heaven until we get there. But we sure know what God intends for heaven to be like, and he's calling us to live like that today. The ultimate consequence for our sin is one that we don't have to pay because Jesus has paid it for us. We have been redeemed. Our account, in other words, has been credited. We don't owe that mortgage payment anymore. Christ has dealt with the consequence of our sin. It's not an ultimate consequence that we are required to pay. And it's not that the consequence is not required anymore. It's not that the payment has been released forever. It is that someone else has paid it for you. Have you ever been in the line at the coffee store, you know, driving through and you get to the front and your coffee's been paid for? Has that ever happened to somebody? Yeah, that, I mean, it doesn't happen very often. You always hear those stories, right? It happened to me once. And I was like, yes, my coffee has been redeemed, <laughs> right? It was paid for. I didn't have, and I wanted to say thank you. Who do I say thank you? I was so grateful that my coffee had been paid for. There was nobody to say thank you to. That gratefulness that I felt Do I feel that same gratefulness for Jesus who has paid the ultimate? So you know what I ended up doing? I paid it for the person behind me. (laughs) I was like, oh, I want them to feel what I feel. Now bring that into the Christian world, the realm of Jesus. Am I so in love with Jesus so enamored with his kingdom that I want the person behind me who's coming up there to feel what I feel? Am I doing what I can to help them? You understand? 
What are we doing? There's still a payment to be made. It's only that Jesus has paid it. And all we have to do is say, thank you, Jesus, and let him do it for us. But so many people deny him and say, no, I don't want it. Thanks, Jesus. I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay my own price. Thanks very much. Let him help you. It's okay. All right, here's the third thing. Man, and there's only three points today, right? Happy birthday. Here's the third one. Free of blame. Free of blame. We no longer, this is awesome, we no longer have to live in fear because we will stand blameless before God. You know, have you ever especially as a child, I guess. Maybe you did something wrong and you knew you did something wrong and you had to stand in front of your parent or whoever the authority was. You're standing in front of them and you know you messed up and I'm in so much trouble in front of you. I can see it in my kids' faces when they know they've messed up. They know something's wrong. And they come and they stand in front of me and their shoulders are droopy and their head is... If we have not asked Jesus to pay the price for us, then we're going to have to stand in front of God someday. If we have not asked him to pay the price, that's how we're going to come. And God, I know I, I owe, and he's... But if you ask Jesus to pay it for you, you can stand in front of him blameless. Look at me. Jesus has forgiven me. His blood covers me. I have been set free. Colossians 1.22 says, but now he has reconciled you. Listen to that word. Reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You can stand in front of God full well knowing that we are not a holy people, but because of the death of and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his blood covers us. We stand holy and blameless in front of a holy and righteous God. How's that even possible? Knowing that we have messed up in our life. Knowing that there's a punishment that needs to be paid. But we stand in front of him with no accusation. Because we have been set free. I was talking to somebody the other day about our church and the doctrine of holiness. I don't want to get so deep in this, but at our church we believe that, and not alone, we're part of a holiness tradition that believes, many, many churches, that when the Holy Spirit lives in us, He begins to make us holy so that, and we give our desire to Him, our desire becomes only to follow Him, that we lose or give up the desire to sin, so He makes us holy. And there's an opinion out there that if you make a mistake, in that moment you have made yourself unholy, and you might go to hell. That's what they told me. And I was like, no, no. Because my desire is for God. Now listen, if I know I've made a mistake, then I need to make that right. 
But I'm telling you that because Jesus lives in me and I have asked him to forgive me for my sins and I have told the Holy Spirit, I want what you want. I want to follow you. I want you to work in my life. I've done this. When I stand in front of him, I'm going to stand holy and blameless without accusation. And that's going to be so awesome. That day, because I can stand boldly. I don't have to approach him in a, in a scary and, and I'm worried and uh, I'm not sure did I do enough because that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I did enough. I only have to do one thing. <laughs> right? That's it. How nice to not have to be able to, to have to run and hide. How not, nice to not have to worry about uh, what someone else is going to find out. How nice not to have to worry about if I've been set free, that I know I've been set free from all the accusations and, and that I don't have the fear anymore, that I'm not worried about being discovered for my sin because I know that I have given him my all. I am following him. He has forgiven me and cleared my debt. How will it feel to be free from accusation? We're going to have a sense of relief, of release. Are you going to feel like the weight has been lifted from your shoulders? Are you going to feel set free? How how is it going to feel to know that there's no accusation that can be brought against you? It's been a long time, but uh, I remember getting, uh, there was a time in my life when I got speeding tickets all the time. I was always getting speeding tickets. I can remember, uh, especially driving to college, man, and those lonely roads out in the panhandle of Texas and in the nothingness of Oklahoma, and you're going as fast as you can possibly go. I mean, every single time that I would get a ticket and I would have to either talk to or face the judge, I knew that I was standing there and I had done what they said and I'm trying to talk my way out of it. But there was always a price to pay. Every time there was a price to pay. In this case, I'm standing in front of the judge and he's going to look at me and say, not guilty. (laughs) Not guilty. You don't have to worry about this. The price has already been paid. There's a reason that Jesus sets us free from accusation. It's because when we surrender and we let him have control, he makes us blameless. Isn't that awesome? To be blameless? Can you imagine being able to stand blameless in front of God? What a magnificent feeling made possible because of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And it's so easy to receive that. So I want you to remember today that when we have sin in our lives, we are slaves to that sin. It binds us. It puts chains on us. It holds us. But by the love of God, through Jesus Christ, we can be set free. You know... I really covered a lot in this message. There's, there's a whole underlying theme through the, through the New Testament especially that, that runs through what it means to be set free. So I've combined a lot into this one 
message. But I, I just want us to understand that God is asking us, and let me rephrase that. Jesus requires us a new command, he said, to love one another. Jesus is requiring us to love one another. But he didn't just say, I want you to do this, and he did nothing about it. He loves us so much that he has made a way that we can be set free. Why in the world do we want to remain in bondage? Can today we just allow him to set us free? To set us free from the bondage of sin? To set us free from an eternal death? To set us free from accusation? To set us free from any issues that we might uh, run into when we stand in front of him? We could be set free. Holy and blameless in front of him. That's what I want for us. And, and I, want, I just want us to understand that. And, and I want you to understand because probably many people in here today and those who are watching have made a decision to allow Jesus to set them free. So two things for us today. One, let's remember that and not let sin hold us captive again. Make that change permanent. Two, Let's tell everybody we can how they can be set free. Isn't it awesome to know that our friends and our neighbors and our family, they can be set free also? They just need to be told or shown. And it all starts with the way that we love them. And then they begin to ask questions or see that there's something different. And I want some of that. What's going on? Oh, my goodness, Jesus has set me. I can love you because he set me free. Let me explain to you how you can be set free. That's what he wants for you. I would dare say that many people in our lives reject, the, or let me say, those who reject the Christian faith are rejecting it because they just don't understand. And they're holding this anger and this bitterness and some of them even blame it on religion. But see, God hasn't called us to religion. He's called us to relationship. And they reject and, and they have this bitterness and we need to show them what it means to be set free. Can we explain to our friends how to be set free? So I'm going to pray and we're going to end in a song. And we're not going to, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys, pray where you're at. And those who are watching at home to pray where you're at. And if today you need to be set free, then it's as simple as asking Jesus to set you free, forgive you for your sins, and come and live in your heart. It's, he's made it very simple. We just need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by His blood we are set free. And then I'm going to ask you to pray a second prayer, and that is, God, would you cause someone in my life to cross my path so that I can explain to them what it means to be set free. I'm telling you now, and I've prayed this prayer for my own family members. God, would you cause someone to cross their path that they might listen to? Because they don't listen to me. Maybe you're the person that I'm praying for. When my family member crosses your path, that you would be obedient to God. and talk to them about what it means to be set free.
Wouldn't it be awesome also if we could be the answer to somebody's prayer? Let's pray. God, today we have really two things. First, we want to say if any of us have either not made the decision or we've made the decision and, and we feel that sin creeping back in, God, we want to set, uh, give those things to you so that we can be set free. We want to give it to you so that we can be set free. Free us from the chains that bind us. And maybe today somebody is here and they have forgotten that we can stand blameless in front of you. And so even though they've asked you for forgiveness, they are still in bondage because uh, they're holding on to the guilt and the shame that's associated with that sin. Father, would you release them from that? knowing that you have forgiven us and we stand in front of you blameless. That's amazing news. Thank you. And the second is this. God, would you cause people to cross our paths who need to know this? And when they do, would you give us the words? Teach us how to say, what to say, so that they might give themselves to you and they too can experience this freedom. Sometimes it's a, it's a bold and dangerous prayer <laughs> to ask that you would send people to cross our path, but God, that's what we need today. Time is short. We don't know how much longer we've got. So God, just help us. Point out those people. Give us the words to say. I pray that you would uh, continue to work in our lives. Thank you for loving us so much that you have made a way that we can be set free, stand in front of you blameless. It's the greatest news. Thank you, God, for all that you do for us. And now as we close with the song and the time of worship in you. I just pray that you would be with each each one, God, those who are here, those who are watching, and that you would help us in everything that we do. Keep us safe. And God, I just, a special prayer just popped into my mind, and maybe it's your prompting. Be with our leaders, city, state, federal, as they navigate through all of the stuff that's going on right now. with us, your people. In Jesus' name I pray.